a man who has been all over this story is our next guest. His name is Tom Morris. Uh, Tom, what's the latest on, on Glenn Maxwell and how surprised were you at this report and how seriously should Cricket Australia take it? Welcome. Oh, Kane, that's so many good questions there. I, I was shocked. I mean, I first got word of this. What happened yesterday uh, in India was um, they had a presser uh, earlier in the day and they flagged, this is a Cricket Australia flagged, that there was news coming about a, a key player that could be out. Um, and they hadn't, uh, they, they didn't tell the, the travelling journal exactly what was going on. So everyone was sort of on high alert that something could be happening, but I don't think anyone could have imagined that it would be Glenn Maxwell injuring himself, falling off the back of a cart while it was dark after 36 holes of golf. Um, and then the news came out, and I got wind of the news a little bit earlier, and I just couldn't believe it. You know when you get told something came, and you're just like, there is mm. no way that that is true. No way that, that is true. And it ended up being absolutely bang on. Um, the truth is that um, it... They call it a minor concussion, but the fact is that when you get concussed, you're out. So there's no mm, guarantee mm. that he's going to be back next game if he doesn't recover well. Um, I hear what you're saying regarding whether it's safe or not, but Cricket Australia would argue this is not a golfing injury. This is a carting injury. You know, this was after the golf had finished and they were all jumping on carts to go about 300 metres back to where the bus was. And um, it was in the dark and, and he fell off that way. But it is right up there with one of the most bizarre injuries. And my mind went immediately... So remember, do you remember the baseballer, the, the batter, Sammy Sosa? His yeah. knee so violent right. that he sprained a ligament in his back. <laughs> but, but that's not his fault. See, I looked at that today and I was looking at which ones I'm going to include in my top 10. But I was like, some of them are just, you know, uh, players get excited after celebrating a goal and they do a celebration and they twist their knee and they go down. I'm, I'm, I'm not as critical as that because, you know, you're on the field. You're actually in the art of, of doing what you do. Yeah. but. The ones off the field are the ones that get me. All right, from a more serious perspective, significant ramifications not only from Maxwell, but but also Mitch Marsh. What do we know? Yeah. We know that Mitch Marsh is coming home for personal reasons. Um, he's told his teammates that he will be back to win the World Cup. So however long he's home for, it won't be long enough to keep him out of the, well, presumably the knockout stages. Um, so we do hope that everything is okay with Mitch Marsh and, and those close to him. But it, what, what it does do, it creates two massive holes in Australia's batting order because you could argue uh, that Marsh and Maxwell are Australia's two most explosive players, probably alongside mm. David Warner at the moment. So um, there's no doubt that um, Travis Head and Warner will continue to open. Who bats at three? It's probably going to be Labuschagne and Steve Smith who go back to three and four against England. And then I think Stoinis will probably come in and take Glenn Maxwell's spot. But losing Mitch Marsh and Glenn Maxwell for very different reasons at this stage of the tournament, is a huge blow. And especially Kane, just as the Aussies are starting to get some momentum, starting mm. to play some good cricket, everything's working well. Adam Zampa is bowling well. Josh Inglis is doing excellent work behind the stumps and with the bat. And then, well, Mars through no fault of his own, and Maxwell, depends who you speak to, but clearly through at least some fault of his own, won't be there for the next game. And, um, and England are very weak, but they are due to win one as well. And they are yep. traditionally a good white ball team. And they'll be, and they'll, this is, and this is their grand final against the Aussies. They'd love nothing more. And Maxwell's overs yeah. have been really important as well. So, up steps Cameron Green. It has to be. I keep Tom. I keep hearing this guy is <laughs> is the next coming of Ricky Ponting and and everything else. He doesn't look anything like Ricky Ponting. Yeah. He, he he's benign bowler who never threatens the bat, and he doesn't make a run. He, he's far from the explosive player that everyone's telling us he is going to be. Does he have it in him? to actually, you know, get in some form this tournament? Uh, I don't think the middle order is his, is his spot in one-day cricket. I mean, 
if he was a specialist batter who didn't bowl, I I, I think it's um I don't think he should be in this squad at all. But the reality is they see him as an all rounder. But in these conditions, Glenn Maxwell and Travis Head are far more valuable with the ball, and mm. you can even argue that Manus Labuschagne is as well. So Kane, I hear what you're saying with with uh, Cameron Green. I'm not calling him the next coming of Ricky Ponting. I'm not saying he's the next Keith Miller or Andrew Flintoff as an all-rounder. But I think in red ball cricket, he's got great value. I don't think in white ball cricket he's the same. And I certainly don't think in white ball cricket in India he's got the value that they see him as. I think Marcus Stoinis is far more in, potentially influential with the bat, even though his, uh, his form hasn't been as good. So, uh, look, give it time, Kane. I think in red ball cricket he's going to prove you wrong. I think in white ball yep. cricket still a big question mark. Oh, he's, a, he's a young man. He's just, he's just nowhere near yep. ready yet, despite his success in the IPL and all that. And... And the obvious talent is you know, perhaps come back to me in a couple of years and we'll see. Um, Don Pike, let's talk about some footy because I've, I've asked the question whether he's the most impressive person in football right now uh, across the board. I mean, he's he can do everything, really. He's, he's been a very successful businessman. He's been a board member of an AFL club. He's been an assistant coach. He's been a head coach and he's been back to be sort of a head assistant coach or senior assistant coach at the Swans. Now he's a CEO. It's no small task, though. You could argue it's the biggest... Uh, administrative role of any football club is to try and get the once powerful Eagles back on track. Yeah, and and also he played 132 of course, games couple of premierships. as well. Yeah, won a couple of premierships. His football CV is remarkable. Um, and I agree with you. There's very few people in football, if any, that are as well-rounded as him. So this is, this is a, a person who the Eagles targeted from a long way out. You know, months ago, as soon as it became apparent at board level that Trevor Nisbet wouldn't be there um, beyond... You know, early next year, then um, they went after Don Pike and he travelled across the country for interviews. And I don't really think that there was anyone else truly in the running. I think it was just a matter of satisfying Don Pike, making sure that Pike was satisfied with the West Coast Eagles. And the Swans have known this was coming for quite some time as well. Um, so his footballing resume across a number of different roles is extremely good. Probably the only blot on his record is the Adelaide training camp, of which he yeah. was clearly a senior member of the club at the Crows. But you speak to people about Don Pike, they tell you he's very respectful, he's, he's engaging, he's extremely intelligent, he's business savvy, um, but he's not necessarily one that's going to beat around the bush either. He's not going to be one that gets caught up in the minutiae of any particular role. And that's probably what cost him in Adelaide because mm. he didn't, pay a lot of attention to the people that didn't like the training camp. He just wanted them to push on and move on and everything would be okay. And in the end, it got too big for them mm. and he had to move on himself. But uh, he's a very impressive character and it's a good move for West Coast. And it also leaves a hole that Sydney Swans came that they have to I know. Do. And, and they've, got a, the they've got a thin, they've got a thin uh, assistant coaching group as it is so that they'll need to get they to do. work. Hey, Tom, uh, there's a lot more I could talk to you about. Jeff Walsh, the AFL has increased their soft cap. But the good news is... You and I are going to spend three hours together on breakfast tomorrow <laughs> so we can have a deep dive into all these key issues. There'll be some cricket news. Want to hear from Don Pike and his pointed message to the West Coast players. Get your thoughts on that. So uh, set the alarm, mate. We'll, we'll chat to you at six tomorrow morning. My alarm's set for 4.15 and I'll see you at six on the dot, Kane. Look forward to it.